0: Yeah, so I decided to start an oyster farm, and um, I buried them like six inches deep
1: and kept watering them, but nothing ever sprouted out of the ground. I don't really understand the whole. Well, plus you got your tractor stuck in the in the pond. Oh, you're supposed to plant them in water. In yeah, I get, well, well, I don't know. Wait, oh
0: wait, hey, we're rolling. All right, well, let's roll. Well, I'm Rich, and I'm Mark, and we are two, two guys, guys on, on Block, Block Island. Island. We do?
1: With we do with
0: so our guest today, uh, I think we're going to get a lot of great information from him. He's a smart fella, at least he says he is, or maybe he doesn't, and other people do. He's yeah. smart. I yeah. know him. He's yeah. smart. Yeah, he's put it this smart. way: he's smarter than you and I put together, which isn't saying much, but it's let's true. not push. All right, you might be right. Um, but yeah, we're going to hopefully learn a little bit about, uh, solar power and oysters and all kinds of good stuff. And, uh, it's Chris Warfel. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Oh, a privilege. <laughs> wow. Well, I don't no know. No one's ever that. said that yeah. before. I <laughs> know <laughs> no one's ever used the word privilege when being in my presence at all. No. Usually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So we like to, uh, kick off, uh, our conversation with our guests with, uh, kind of the, You know, the routine question, I guess, is uh, we like to talk about how, how'd you get to Block Island and when, 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 how, and what made you come here? What made you stay? That sort of stuff. So when did you come out here?
2: I think it was 1982. Okay. And I actually got here because of a motorcycle accident.
0: (laughs) That's a new one. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I had uh, somebody, I had uh, run a stop sign and hit me broadside. And I spent quite a long time in the hospital with a lot of injuries. And after that, um, one of my brothers asked me if I wanted to come out to Block Island. Uh, My brother, John, who was a teacher here and try and, you know, get my act together, convalesce and all that. And I said, sure. So I came out and helped him with uh, construction. Um, And then I started working at the grocery store, became the butcher, the meat cutter, actually. And all that kind of stuff during the summers. And um,
0: now was that already the B I G back then, or was it Seaside Market downtown? I did both of them. They still had a meat counter down in the Seaside
1: store. Yes. Yep. Did you awesome. have any prior butcher experience, or
2: no? They gave me the butcher book, which had all different animals and cuts, and um, they did show me how to do some of the things. And uh, so I would sit there and study the. The in a time and <laughs> the the basic how how the animals are put together and taken apart, and um I would cut them up as
1: um and did, is, is that a skill you found uh, has uh, served you well later in life maybe when it comes time you know for the Fourth of July barbecue or anything? Absolutely, I can go
2: in now and buy a cut of meat and reduce it to other cuts of meat uh, and do it at a good value. That was very good value. Yes.
1: (laughs) That's, that's always helpful. And, uh, so where did you live when you first came out here? Um, let's see, I lived like, did uh, you have the typical kind of summary housing that was a, you know, a, a closet in someone's basement or, uh, no, I was really,
2: um, I was very lucky. One of the school teachers was going across the country with his, uh, with his girlfriend and um, asked if I would stay in their apartment at Ma Hutchinson's house, right by Yellow Kittens. Yeah, which at my age was perfect because <laughs> <laughs> I could go, short you know, commute home. Very short. Just roll <laughs> myself down the hill, and there I was. <laughs> yep, that
0: works. Um, That's a great spot. Now, right now, it's the. Avon Lee, I think, right? Ann Lodi, yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's was, that was Ma. That Hutchins. was Ma Hutchins' place. Yeah. A lot of a lot of interesting Ma Hutchins' place stories. Friend really? of mine who's passed away now. Yui, did you know? Did you know Yui? Maybe back I in don't, the day. I don't uh, know. So Yui's big guy, big red beard, and he decided to grow some pot plants in the. In the window, like right on the windowsill. And uh, I think, I, I, I don't know the story for sure, but he, he got a knock on the door. you know? Really? Yeah. This is back in the day when it was big taboo. You know, it wasn't like today where everybody's got. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, you know, it's fairly accepted now as a medicine and all that. But yeah, yeah Ma wow. Hutchins place right there on the window. And was it like a just a boarding house in those days or was Ma Hutchins house? She lived there and she rented out rooms. She,
2: I, I think yeah. it was the latter. She lived there and rented out rooms. And my rent was basically taking care of the, of the garden, and Ma would come out and uh, talk with me while I was doing that. And she had an amazing ability to spot four-leaf clovers.
0: Uh-huh. She really
2: incredible. She would be talking to me, she goes, oh, stop, there's there's one. <laughs> Just and a
0: minute.
2: stoop down and pick up a four-leaf clover. She did it numerous times. How many times did she win the lottery? I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she would even be like, we'd be down on our hands and knees and not find any. And she would just spot it from, yeah. like
1: standing there talking. I don't like, know that I've standing. ever found a four leaf clover in my life.
0: Oh, really? I mean, Never. I don't think I have. Oh, there's yeah. something to put on your list to do. Yeah.
1: So in and the, then the, you had already, you gone to school at this point. This is post college or.
2: Yeah. This, I got my bachelor's of science in um, forestry engineering, environmental resource engineering, and was trying to figure out actually what to do. And it was a recession. Ronald Reagan had tanked the economy to break inflation. So the only people that would hire us would be the federal government, including the CIA. So that was pretty interesting because people with my degree had um, certain um, satellite and um, air photography um, classes that were very unique. So after I graduated, there was really no work except for if you wanted to work in those fields.
1: And so, so the CIA didn't really like seem like a great option for you.
2: <laughs> and uh, full disclosure, I actually went through the process. <laughs> did you? Really? But so did most of my
1: classmates. Okay, okay, but that you did not make like, it any less spectacular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get to like clearance, security clearance, or anything like that, or
2: no. They put you through a, a, a battery of tests, and to my knowledge, nobody that I went to school with was hired.
1: Okay, so, hmm. so yeah,
2: Maybe we where'd were, you go to school? uh syracuse college of environmental science and forestry which is the land grant college equivalent like cornell has the ag and tech school yeah syracuse had the mechanical engineering and paper that was set up by by congress each state got one of each okay so it's called a land grant college but the colleges were already set in the state uh there's no new land coming into new york so they they took existing institutions and split them that way. Okay.
1: But what made you go into that field? Were you always, were you just by nature an environmentalist? Were you a hippie? Were you like, what, what was the, do you just, you know, science fascinate you or? I,
2: my mom used to give me a, a lunch in a paper bag and send me off into the woods to get some peace. <laughs> and we had this great property in Sargetys, New York. Um, a lot of, a lot of acreage on a, on a great creek and pond and i would just yeah. spend hours down in the woods and i have four older brothers and an older sister and younger sister and one day wow. my, my dad said to me you're my last hope for an engineer my dad was an engineer and he goes you're my last hope for an engineer and he just, and so i
1: i felt this no pressure pressure yeah. to yeah. do yeah.
2: something in engineering to make my dad like rest in peace so i um I looked at environmental stuff with engineering and forestry engineering popped up and it was really a very, very good school and I liked it a lot.
0: Okay. So you kind of slicked there. You you kind of found something that would fit the make dad happy with an engineering degree but also be nature. Yes. That's pretty, that's a good, that's a good approach.
1: So you get it. <laughs> go play in the woods, here's a bag of lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my mom used to say go play in the traffic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you get a degree in forest forestry for and forestry engineering forestry engineering and then you come end up living in a place with no forest necessarily i mean i guess there's forests here is land but when you got at what point do you stop being a butcher and what's your next what's the next stone in the pathway
2: uh graduate school okay. i wasn't really getting any work uh, the economy was not good i knew i should not be on block island uh being a meat cutter living next door to kittens (laughs) exactly so i had i had i had to go and um i left and eventually um i took my um gre's and somehow in one of the areas that they test you in i was like in the 98th percentile
1: not shocking
0: uh yeah really it really was shocking so uh, i mean it wasn't the category of pork chops n- no let's go to 98 on ribs yeah <laughs>
2: so so i got like a free ride through grad school i had an advantage that i was an american and i scored high and that was unusual for grad school in engineering and i liked energy i had done work in energy um Undergraduate, so I was looking for an energy, renewable energy field, and UMass Amherst had a, a wind, a, a wind energy um, curriculum in the mechanical engineering department. So I went to grad school at UMass in mechanical engineering with no undergraduate mechanical engineering courses, which was not fun. Wow. But that's what I did.
0: What? <laughs> so, wow. so you said, you know, you're in the rare because you were an American or yeah. s- white. I'm assuming if we can say that, I think we still can. What ethnicity is really would, is the dominant one to get those, to go into those sort of programs?
2: Well, it's just like it is today. It's, it's um, it's the ones that pay cash and that would be Indians uh, and uh, Chinese.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. Interesting
1: and then so you you go through graduate school now your field is in energy and what was the scene like in terms of uh renewable resources back then in the 80s it was kind of a the new like i remember solar was kind of the new thing right yeah I, it, so my
2: my specialty was uh wind energy and that was also um in its i'll say infancy when you see what was um you know, the state of the art back then versus now it's, it's, it's extremely different. Like the biggest wind turbine back then was 600 kilowatts, I think. And now we're dealing with six megawatt, 10 megawatt machines. So you can just see how much yeah.
0: 6,000, how many thousand kilowatts are in a mega a thousand. Oh, so the, okay. It's just com- completely,
2: um, you know, yeah. Changed solar was just a very strange um, thing. It was the solar hippies, as they used to call them, that were using it to grow pot out west. They (laughs) they did their lighting systems uh, through solar. So they were actually the, and batteries, and so they were like the uh, people that were um, at the forefront of solar.
1: And hydroponics.
2: (laughs) Yep. Yes. So now the technology has changed so much since then, but that's, so there was not much in renewable energy, but in grad school, I was part of the energy analysis diagnostic center where we went around to manufacturing facilities in New England and did energy audits. And there were 16 of them in the country. UMass Amherst had one of them. And I really liked that work. That was really good. Um, And that's really what led to me getting jobs out of grad school, not the renewable energy or wind energy, but it was the um, energy studies we did energy studies from paper mills to torpedo manufacturer uh, molding facilities to Kevlar vests places to Velcro. We did all these places.
1: Okay, and then so and during that time, were you away from Block Island, or were you coming back in the summers, or did you, how did what was your tenure like there? I came back in the summers to be the meat cutter. Okay, so you did oh. continue on cutting meat for a little while. Yes. Okay, and then at what point do you settle on block? Do you say, hey, this place is great. I I'm gonna plant myself here for a while
2: well um i was working in new hampshire uh in engineering for electric utility i i left there to go be director of engineering for an energy service company in texas and soon afterwards i could tell that company was not going to make it its approach was not right for what we were trying to do and uh, one of my brothers and I had uh, bought property out here um, many years ago and built a house on it. Long story short, that company folded in Texas. <laughs> I, I lost my job. Okay. I, I had no place to go. <laughs> ah, so, wow. so the only place I had to live was Block Island.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've heard you're not the first yeah, person no, to that, tell that that's story.
1: That's how it goes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How would you end up here? Well, nowhere else to go. Yeah, you know? no one else would
1: take me. Basically,
0: so that's. But so before we go too much further, so now at the mo- at right now or when, while we're recording this, at least at the moment, how many siblings of yours are on the island? Two, two. Yeah. R- John, John, John Richard. and Richard. Yeah. Okay, so you and John were the were you the groundbreakers on Block to for Block Island from your family, or did your family ever vacation here as a family? Or
2: well, it's interesting. When John was looking for a job um, for teaching, I had the Boston Globe with me. And there was an industrial arts teaching job on Block Island. None of us knew where Block Island was. We had to go to my dad's map drawer, pull it out, and like, there it is. So my grandmother shows up at dinner one time and starts laughing when we say Block Island. And we're like, why are you? My grandmother was from Boston. She played Cho in the Boston Symphony. She was not a giggler. And all of a sudden she's giggling. <laughs> and it turns out she was part of a quartet that used to play at the Royal when it was a speakeasy. Oh <laughs> so she really was the first one that I know of that from my family and you, that
0: was out here. No idea about this connection. No clue. Really? That's Until a pretty she, neat
1: that's
0: uh, a pretty neat one. I funny. What,
1: a lot of people start giggling or chuckling when you bring up the royal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot
1: of uh, antics we've heard there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It
2: took a while. She never actually confessed the story, but my mom, uh, her daughter, put put put
1: it all together for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. So there was a uh, bit of a Block Island connection in that sense. Yeah. So then you do. So you do end up saying. So again, when when you when are you like, okay, I'm going to stay here, and what what? Well, again, you. What year was that? You said. I you'd think, lost your job in texas i think 1997 1998. okay so mid 90s yeah you get here and you're like all right i'm gonna and then what did you do then no i was
2: trying to find work on the mainland right as soon as i got here i was like interviewing all over the place because my director of engineering at the energy service company aka escos was pretty coveted escos were all the age back then so i would be getting all these interviews and basically i realized they were just picking my brain for what went wrong
1: and, and <laughs> you're basically an wait, unpaid wait, what, consultant. what does that
0: term mean esco what is an esco energy service company oh okay that's a i never heard that one
2: before yeah um, well you don't hear about it anymore too much because um they've kind of fallen out of favor um their business model is, is very tough uh so what I kept looking for work when I got here. I was not going to be on Block Island, um, but I realized I wasn't getting any real job offers. And I wrote this grant application that was special for diesel isolated communities. It was the, the most bizarre thing. And I was like, this is Block Island. And so I wrote this grant application for it. I spent six months writing the application. And I was like down to like my last couple hundred bucks (laughs) and we were, I, the company was awarded three quarters of the national award. Oh wow. And, and I remember the, that back then they had regional DOE um, department of energy offices. And the guy who was, should have been part of this called me up and says, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to fight this and you're not going to get that grant because I don't, think you're qualified and I was like I said I really do know what I'm doing with this I said believe me I and I just explained to him my background and all that and he goes hmm more or less I'll, I'll think I'll have to think about this well anyways the, the long story short we got the grant and we received two national awards for what we did with the grant on Block Island and renewable energy and after that I kind of stopped looking for work so yeah uh,
1: yeah did you ever uh, write a letter to that guy and be like yeah by the way how do you like these apples
2: Actually we became very good friends. Um and um he retired. I if I go to Boston, I stop in and see him.
1: Oh wow, oh, that's, that's a good cool. end of the story. Oh, he's, he's, very, yeah. he's a very cool guy. All right, sweet. So then what so the grant allows you now to do what?
2: Well that grant um was to devise a, um a renewable energy program and I had written out how I thought the program should occur. We would identify sites and oversee the bidding and installation uh, quality control of of the installations to make sure they were good and compliant with the program and it's
1: all still solar at this point we're talking
2: with solar than wind and then we asked if we could add solar hot water because people back then solar hot water was very popular and the doe department of energy said yes you can add those technologies so we did some of um, all those technologies wow small wind a, a lot of solar hot water and a, a lot of solar electric but back then Again, solar electric was nothing like it was today. You know, it was like a jalopy compared to a Ferrari, yeah. as as today it's technology is.
1: Yeah. So, how was it received out here back then? Where were people like, "What's this newfangled solar? It's a you know, it's a it's just a fad or a trend or or well, was it accepted? Or- People interested in it.
2: Uh, Kim Gaffett on the town council was um, first word in the time, and she was quite supportive. And I think the town council in general was supportive. Um, the power company not supportive, I would Obviously. say. Obviously, um, and it was difficult.
0: And that for the listeners who aren't familiar, at that time the power company was still privately owned. It's not currently, and I hope we get into that, but that was it was a private company, right? Yes. It was just a private business. Yep.
1: And also, for the listeners that don't know, the island at this point, Chris touched on it, but it, the, the entire island was being powered. We were getting our el- electricity via two diesel generators, correct? Yes. Which burned... Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. Yeah, when they worked. We were kind of getting power. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Between brownouts, we would get <laughs> yeah, power. Yeah. Um, so that was the situation. The island was burning diesel fuel how how many there's so much i want to talk to you about now
0: and we're bouncing all over so yeah how i wonder how much diesel fuel the power company was burning in a year is like a million gallons you think
2: oh yeah i would i would estimate at least that much and it's all recorded as to how much they um generated because it's a function of kilowatt hours if we know the (laughs) kilowatt hours we can back back out how much diesel consumption but those diesels were operating at very low efficiency because the peak to High high demand times load demand times electricity out here swing quite a bit. it was really tough for those Diesels to meet the load, but you know i I did mention that block Island wasn't all that supportive, but I have to say they really didn't throw any um, major roadblocks in in the way they just kind of stand stood aside and uh, let me do what I was supposed to do.
0: that's huh. good
1: yep so and then so when does when does oyster farming become? something
2: uh and we'll I, get back to the power company bit. Yeah, i was asked by somebody if i could uh de- design a, a a pump system for uh incubating oysters um with renewable energy because the reality is a lot of farms throughout the world don't have access to power they're remote they're in the ocean or are you know away from shore power even um you know things like crawfish farming, shrimp farming, they're they are not near power supplies. So designing a power supply for a pump, for a, a, a air blower or something like that, that's something I knew how to do. So I designed um, what's called an upweller system. It's a pump that forces water and with that, the food past the oysters when they're small. They feed more because there's more food going by them and they grow faster
0: oh i was wondering like what do you need power for yeah like you just dangle them in the water but i yeah. i get it because that's a, i think one of our episodes i said to you mark that the best clamming is near the bridges where the tide runs. the more the so, water moves the yeah. faster because the, they rely on passing uh, nutrients to absorb so yep. anytime there's a slack tide they're not absorbing any new stuff right so Sweet. you're basically so this pump system for an oyster farm creates a false constant tide movement, basically. Yes. And, and had, really had you to... had an interest or any sure.
1: knowledge of uh, a shellfish or, or aquaculture before this, or this was just, it was totally a function of designing this pump? Yeah, it was a
2: problem that was uh, given to me to solve, and I just solved it like an engineer. You know, I approached it, and our design received a, a grant from the Slater Foundation twice. Wow and it was very successful and successful and i would say it was probably it was not the first upweller that was solar powered but if you saw the first one it was very very small this was much different um and after that now it's it's not that unusual to see solar powered upwellers
1: and did you design that for someone out here or for someone somewhere else for um uh Todd Carrere, who had a
2: farm out here. He he was the second oyster farmer out here.
1: Okay, so did did you learn from Todd uh, about oyster farming? I did a lot of
2: research on what oysters needed for flow and um, designed it on that. Todd had um, experience in how to farm oysters conventionally, but no experience in upwellers. Nobody nobody really had much experience in that.
1: And so when do you start your own oyster farm
2: well Todd left the island and um told me that it was illegal for me to hold oysters because I didn't have a farm and I was taken aback because
0: I had bottled the oysters It's like I don't want to <laughs> what I do with I all these oysters now. <laughs> I, don't I, I, yeah. want give I hope them. you uh, like the new car. Oh yeah, and you have to register that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so so I called the
2: state uh aquaculture coordinator at the time and I said, Is that true? He goes, Yeah. But he goes, But we can set you up with a farm. <laughs>
0: that's how it happens and that's, like
2: oh yep that's exactly what happened
0: what year about when did you take when did you officially have your own oyster farm i mean how many years have you been doing it i should say i have been
2: doing this 18 years i realized so wow. 18, 18 years ago
0: wow and do you so i know i see the one that rests in the pond in the shallows between corneck road and the sullivan house peninsula there yeah is that the is that it is that the farm that's our secondary grow out it's the the largest area by far
2: um, in Harbor Pond we have our seed oysters, the oysters we purchase from nurseries we put in that area in Harbor Pond because it keeps them separate it's they're more protected, and I think there's a better food supply and it helps us comply with Department of Health regulations to separate out your seed by year at least for the first year or so. So, we actually have them quite physically removed from our grow out area, which is the area that you had mentioned. So, after the first year, we take them from Harbor Pond and we put them in the Trims Pond um, and grow them out to maturity.
0: How yeah. long? Yeah, I bet you're going to ask the same question. No, you go. Uh, how long does it take? That was my question. Yeah.
2: It is a function of what size you buy your seed at. When we started, we did what everybody else did, and we would buy our seed at two millimeters, which is a sixteenth of an inch. Oof. <laughs> I remember you one time. You don't want to be
0: like, whoops, drop the bag overboard. <laughs> yeah. <that's-
2: laughs> Which has happened many so times. So that's like the size oh. of a pencil eraser. Yeah.
0: Even smaller. A little smaller than a pencil eraser.
2: And- I remember one of our pumps in the upwiller, uh, the netting in front of the intake had uh, dislodged. And I was watching this white stream go out the back of the pump. I go, what the heck is that? I realized it was bl- sucking up and blowing out. Chopped all oysters. All the seed. <laughs> 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 Thousands <sighs> of seed oysters.
0: <sighs> problem.
2: But back then, that's what, you know, we were told that was what we did. It, the, re- the problem with that was it took too long to get the oysters to mark. It had to take uh, three to five years. Oh, wow. Um, and you would lose so many of them to crabs or just handling problems or just innate mortality. Um, there's a very high mortality in, the, in oysters. Um, so here's a, a factoid that puts that into perspective. I think if, if one um, oyster's progeny survived for five successive years, their progeny would be 25 times the volume of Earth. That's how prolific they are. And they need to be because there's such a high mortality rate. So, wow. so embedded in their DNA is to produce a lot of uh, spat and, um, you know, hopefully overwhelm mother nature's competitors by numbers.
0: Spat? Spat. So what's spat.
2: That yeah. is when the male and female um, oh,
1: you know, zygotes get it.
2: together and
0: create an oyster. Huh. Baby batter.
1: <laughs> got it. Oyster baby batter.
0: It'd be interesting to see if anybody knew what that was like, make an oyster sp- spat dressing, yeah. For salad, we have, a, we have an oyster spat vinaigrette today on a nice arugula. Oh my god, I think
1: sea urchins are about the same thing. Oh gosh, yeah. there's a lot of directions we could go with that. How, what is a typical yield for you in terms of oyster production? Well, uh, again, it depends on
2: our year. So we are trying to get to at least a hundred thousand oysters um, every, a year, a year. Yeah. Whoa. So w- now we buy our oyster seed much larger. We buy it at a quarter inch okay. to three eighths, <clears throat> and that has improved survivability and our ability to get stuff to market better.
0: Does their fragility is fragility a word fragileness of, of their life improve as they get, older. So when you're buying an oyster, that's even two or three times the size of those little two millimeter ones. They're a little less delicate.
2: Yeah. They can sustain, um, crabs better. Um, a lot of the mortality that happens quickly has already gone by. And so we, the survivability is much better when we buy them in a larger
1: size. they're more expensive by far, but it's yeah. worth it.
0: But your yields faster. Your turnaround time is, is yep. cut down by a year or two. Probably.
1: And is it yes. a certain um, a breed of oyster or a, a, a species of Spe- oyster? What do you
2: call it? I don't- uh, from My understanding is from like Nova Scotia to Texas, all the oysters just about on the east coast are Gastrostria virginicus, which is the eastern oyster. I mean, they all get, the, the the nice thing about that oyster is it takes on the qualities of its local waters more than any other oyster that I know of. Like if you had a Balloon oyster in France and had one in the United States, they taste the same, but not with the Eastern oyster. So you hear about all these different oysters.
1: Yeah, the Watch Hill oyster. You yeah. have the yeah. The blue point, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Ninigrits.
2: But genetically they're almost identical.
1: Really? So it is really uh, all about the water and the nutrients yeah. in the water and what's happening in that ecosystem around. Huh. Yes. And that's true of a lot. I mean, I gotta be honest, I, I'm an avid fisherman.
0: And I can't even stomach the thought of eating a freshwater bass during the summertime. But if you catch that bass through the ice and you eat it, it's delicious. Really? Yeah. It doesn't have any. Like in the summertime, it almost tastes like you're eating the pond water. Like, you know that smell by the pond? Yeah. 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 That's what the fish smells and tastes like. But then, in the winter, the meat is like white and firm because the water's crystal clear, you know there's no algae they're yeah. not they're not processing algae through their gills and I think that really uh yeah, it's amazing the difference in the same fish six months later, huh. you know because of the change in the you know
1: yeah what's around it it's yeah. environment yeah do you is it difficult to say goodbye to some of the oysters? Do you get attached <laughs> to certain ones more than others, like their personalities what what's a personality of an oyster like? <laughs>
2: Well, I'll tell you, they don't talk much. Uh, they're very quiet. Um,
1: is that uh, one of the reasons you enjoy them?
0: <laughs> <yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> they're good listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All 100,000
1: of them. <laughs> None of them are on the town council. Uh,
0: no, good. Uh, I,
2: I really don't get attached to them. I get attached to their shells, though. I do. Every once in a while I'll say, that's a really nice oyster shell, and I'll collect it.
1: Any pearls? That's, yep.
2: So the book on this oyster is about two and a half inches thick and it's huge. There's one paragraph on pearls and that paragraph is, I think three sentences long. It says, if you find a pearl in this oyster, it will be undistinguished, unremarkable and not worth
1: anything. Oh, (laughs) there you go. So not these guys. I I, saw, I watched an
0: oyster farm that they kind of grow, they don't grow like the pearls you see on the pearl necklace, but they're kind of like flat, like little teeny saucers. And this, this, this farm specifically raised oysters for, then they would seed each one with a little piece of shell. And then they would get these flat, um, these flat pearls. And that was like a healthy, it might've been freshwater oyster. Is there such a thing as a freshwater oyster? Or am I making that up? I think there is. I make stuff up in my dreams and then I wake up and believe it's really true. So it could have been, but yeah. And this, this mm-hmm. company, that's what they, that's all they did. It was like third generation of a uh, freshwater pearl raising wow. oyster farmers.
1: And has, the, so has the oyster game been lucrative for you? Is it, is it something, or is it more a, a, a labor of love kind of just like, I mean, does it sustain itself? Is it pay for itself? And then maybe a little extra, is it worth doing? Or is it something like you're like, just, you do it for the love of the game or somewhere in between?
2: Well, it goes back kind of be the forestry um, experience. I liked being outside, so I liked the work, and I wanted to show Block Island that it didn't have to all be about tourism. That perhaps if we did more with our waters, we could diversify our economy more. Um, so I I started the farm partially for that reason. Um, and with the engineering company I was supporting the farm, I was able to support it financially. The farm for many years never made any money. Yeah, um, I've never taken a paycheck on the farm, but we hired people and paid people over you know
0: eighteen years. So, um, so you've contributed to the economy, you know, of of this small island with not very many year round uh, jobs, you know. Yeah, it,
2: it, it takes a special person to work on the farm well. And it takes a special person to live here.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> no, not it's yeah, more you know, of the point. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. You know, so you could pick anybody that lives here probably, you know, but yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. So the farm, I wouldn't say the farm has been a financial success. Uh, it helps when we get involved in federal programs like building the oyster reefs. Those are helpful to our financial, um, survivability. Um, and I think those reefs are pretty, slick idea which i didn't realize at first but they're a uh, r- growing we actually block island's
1: got the best oyster reef projects in the state all right we want to hear more about this chris we have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back
2: uh, 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 uh,
0: uh, uh, Whether you're experienced or a beginner, fishing on Block Island is one of the greatest experiences you can have. Our friends at BI Fishworks are there to make sure it's great. Block Island Fishworks offers charter trips for whatever you're after. Striped bass, bluefish, fluke, sea bass, bonita, you name it, and they know how to catch it. If you're into light tackle fishing and fly fishing, Captain Chris does morning charters for up to three people. If your group's a little larger, climb aboard the Harley with Captain Hank, and the Harley does half and full day trips for up to six people. If boats are not your thing, then there are plenty of great spots to fish from shore. Block Island Fishworks has everything you need. They have a great selection of equipment, tackle, and plenty of tips and pointers on when and where to go and what the fish are biting. The shop, located at 40 Ocean Avenue, is open daily in season. While you're there, check out the great shirts, hats, hoodies, and a bunch of other great stuff. To book a charter, get info on the shop, check out their merch, and all
1: things fishing, visit their website at BIFishworks.com. You know, Mark, I love fishing with those guys. You ever been out with them? Oh, my God. A number of times, actually. And you know what? Every single time... We've caught fish. It's worth the trip just to spend a half a day with Hank. Hank is a force of nature, as we know. Yeah, he's
0: great. And you know what? A lot of times your fishing trip can include a buzz by or even a quick tour of the, of
1: the wind farm, which is pretty awesome. And you know what? The the, the greatest thing about Fishworks is that they have everything you need. Every, everything. What's for dinner? It's the eternal question that drives me crazy. If you're asking yourself the same question, it's time to visit Dish Off the Block. Our friend Pam Gelsamini at Dish Off the Block is always coming out with new recipes and new ideas. Check out her new line of Dish Off the Block spices. There's Superbly Herbly, Ciao Bella, Italian Spice Blend, and raging Cajun. Dish Off the Block has recipes using these delicious blends to make dishes like Superbly Herbly Striped Bass, Apricot Ginger Sticky Ribs over Chateau, and leek fried rice, and mussels in chorizo and parmesan cream sauce. Mm. now this is exciting dish off the block just came out with their first cookbook what can I make with this freaking chicken it has 50 tried and true recipes sure to shake up your routine this collection of chicken recipes uses ingredients commonly found in any kitchen your creations will make your family think their meal came from a five star restaurant it's chock full of easy approachable recipes that you're gonna love to check out the recipes read the blog shop the spice rack or pick up your own copy of what can I Make with this freaking chicken, check out dishofftheblock.com. Rich, I love Pam's recipes. I've tried a few of them, and uh, they're great. I'm not a great cook. I mean, I'm okay. They're pretty easy to make, and they taste amazing, and she comes out, you know, a
0: couple times a month. She puts one in the BI Times. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Great stuff, and she is like a super cool lady. So whether it's your first time on the island or you're a seasoned veteran, next time you're booking a vacation, before you do, check out the Neptune House Resort. It's really an amazing place to stay. There are 23 modern condo-style units, have full kitchens outfitted with everything, including full-size refrigerators. The Neptune House Resort offers studios, one-bedrooms, and two-bedroom units available April through October. And let me tell you, the shoulder seasons are a great time to come out to Block Island. The views are spectacular, and the property has so many amenities to offer. There's a heated pool, tennis courts, gas grills, and picnic tables. There's even a game room with a pool table. Sammy and the rest of the staff are there for you if you need anything. We all know location is key, and that's another reason to make the Neptune House your next Block Island stay. It's tucked away from the hustle bustle, but it's just a short walk to Old Harbor ferries, restaurants, shops, beaches, and live entertainment. After a day at the beach and exploring the island, what could be better than a dip in the pool and sitting on the deck watching the Block Island sunset? Check out the views and all that the Neptune House has to offer online at neptunehouse.com.
1: You know, my family came out to visit once and stayed at the Neptune House, and they couldn't say enough nice things about it. You know, it's kind of got everything you need, and the views from those upper decks are
0: spectacular, and oh my God. It's heated so pool
1: nice. Heated pool. You had me at heated. Yeah, I'm there. Let's get our <laughs> bathing suits on now. Do hems have you down? Are you missing a button? Find the perfect fit with the traveling seamstress, Elizabeth Doherty. The traveling seamstress can repair zippers and buttons or patch and mend most fabrics, including denim, which means good news for your favorite jeans. Getting married on Block Island? The traveling seamstress can say yes to helping with your dress. She can even steam and pressure tucks. Slip covers, curtains, draperies, and custom dye work are just a few of Liz's specialties. She can even make cushions for your home or boat. The Traveling Seamstress is located at 442 Dodge Street by the Four Corners with regular hours May through November and limited wintertime hours. No project is too big, too small, or too weird, so visit Liz, the Traveling Seamstress, and follow her on Instagram at Traveling Seamstress. Phone number 717-919-5057. You know, I'm thinking of having some drapes made for the house. I've never even had to go to a seamstress before. Well, let me tell you something. I actually have a true story for you. I had this sweater, right? And it was like not a expensive sweater. It was just a cheap mall sweater, but it was my favorite sweater. And I got a hole in the sleeve, and Liz patched it up. It's as good as new. It's like, it was, in fact, it's better than it was. Uh, you know anything about this, Mark? Uh, it's news to me, Can, what? Bring so what is in. the in, Oyster Reef project?
2: Uh, the idea was, and you hear about this in other places, like New York City is going big time into this. Uh, in order to clean up water, um, instead of using a pumping system, of uh, mechanical electrical pumping system, they use oysters. So you, um, what we do is we send bags of shell to a nursery, they spawn oysters, baby oysters spat onto it, and they come in and they settle in that shell. We get those bags back and then um, we grow them out. And then in the fall we put those uh, shells on the bottom in a part of the pond and it becomes a reef. The oysters continue to grow into a monolithic reef. They secrete calcium and they just all go together. So the ingenious part about this plan, uh, this project is that the oysters are pumping water and they, they're filtering the water and cleaning it. But if it's a healthy reef, it's going to procreate and grow and grow and grow. And now you can see some of these reefs from uh, satellite data. They've grown that big. Um, so th- these are the healthy reefs and they're every year they pump and filter more and more water in the great salt pond, clean it wow. up.
1: Wow. That's cool. I had no idea about that.
0: No, that, I mean, that didn't even exist in my world. That's yeah. crazy. Are you, yeah. Is it a secret location or is it? No, it's marked.
2: Um, it's funny. I'm all about disclosing the location and um, more wily people are like, don't tell anybody about
0: it. Yeah, that's, I didn't know if it's one of them <laughs> things or not.
2: <laughs> well, you can't harvest off them. Um, it's illegal to do that, though. I, we have caught people doing that. Um, it's, at one point, it was not even marked. And the town had a really bad sign that actually said it was okay to shellfish off that area, even though that area was closed. we uh, like, took us seven years for them to get that sign removed. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. So uh, anyway, it, it, it's it's in Cormorant Cove. Um, okay, it, it's illegal to to harvest off them, um, but Is, I, it, you can harvest regular oysters though, right? If you find them naturally, absolutely, they have yeah. to be three inches in any direction, and they're legal and That's, in the
0: in the oystering season too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first place I've ever actually caught my own wild oysters was uh where the estuary from that marshland uh yep. up in there that comes out um into Corman Cove mm-hmm. and Do you, you know. do you like oysters eating them? I do. I didn't like them until um we used to
2: do uh Friday nights we would do a clam shack at oh, McGo- yeah. at McGovern's and I would bring oysters other people would bring clams and I was shucking an oyster and it broke the shell. And I said, I can't put that out. So I just ate it without anything on it. I was like, Hey, they're not bad this way. I, <laughs> I like clams with cocktail sauce. I don't like, I like oysters just plain.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, again, sure. you, it's a good oyster with good, you know, raising in a, in a net great water, you know I mean? That probably gives yeah. it a nice smooth flavor. I wonder, I always wonder who the first person
1: to look at an oyster and, said i'm gonna eat yeah, that let's eat that you know a bat <laughs> or a dare right? or starvation or starvation i mean
0: or maybe they watch you know i would imagine animals. you watch the animals right you watch the seagulls and say well if they're eating it i can survive on that you know it's a hard winter. give it a try yeah
2: i have a far side comic strip of of that whole situation <laughs> <laughs> with people uh, cavemen and cave women trying to eat yeah. the North first oyster. I
0: just a little while ago I saw a crow eating a muskrat on the road that was running over. Maybe I'd give it a whirl. You know, yeah, I could be that guy. Hey. Someday they'll be like, Have you tried the blue point muskrat?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the
0: best in, in best in the state. Yeah. <laughs> it's got an oyster vinaigrette. <laughs> uh, oyster spat, <laughs> vinaigrette. spat
1: vinaigrette. Do oysters really do oysters really make you horny? Is this true? Not well, you personally, but that's okay too. Oh, does do, do oysters make one horny as it's <laughs> yeah. been claimed?
2: I think there's a lot of truth to that because of the special uh, minerals that oysters have as opposed to other food sources. They're high in chromium, lindium, iodine, uh, iron. So that combination
0: probably is kind of unique and helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> for some things. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I ever start an oyster farm, I'm going to call it Viagra Oyster Farm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You'll be a millionaire. Right. <laughs> Nobody right. has spat like us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oysters are – I love oysters. It's a great subject. Um, but one of the things you mentioned in talking about the oysters was that perhaps there are – it's a different way or a different avenue for the island to expand its economy other than tourism. Um Which, you know, what leads us to a different conversation in terms of what's happening on the island these days and in terms of uh, how it's different from when you first got here in the 80s or even the 90s. And what are you what are you seeing as some of our our biggest challenges and possible solutions? Well,
2: one of the biggest challenges is the type of person that's moving here, I think. And
1: like, what do you mean by that? What kind of person? back when I first
2: came here, I would say the um, I'll say the leaders of the island, the people that were um, at the forefront of doing things seemed to be more concerned about doing things that were good for the island. Um, economic development um, was big and they were trying all different kinds of things to diversify the island economy and people just had these personalities that I thought indicated they really cared about. Block Island, um, being unique and trying to keep it as much as they found it. Now, people that are moving here, I think are looking at it as more like an investment, um, a a place to escape to, um, for whatever purpose. They don't really, they're not that invested personally or emotionally into the island. And with that, um, that's, I think that's why you see so many pools on the island and just, Stuff that just to me doesn't make any sense. If you really are coming to Block Island to enjoy its uniqueness, you're, you're they're basically trying to make Block Island like where they came from, or from like some of the other more developed islands. I think that's that's the loss for Block Island. Yeah.
1: Um, how about in terms of the the summertime, the the, the influx of tourists? Has that changed in your eyes are the the kind of people the kinds of people that are coming obviously the numbers seem to have gone up but some people argue that it's just it was busier back in the day
2: i think there's definitely more people coming here because that's indicated by the number of boats um the town has never gotten control over its port and doesn't seem to be able to understand how they can do that so with that um i think we're seen as a, a revenue stream for different uh, ferry companies And so more and more ferries are coming here. That just has to correspond to more tourism. When you see the number of people that come off the ferries, it's it's definitely more than when I first came here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a steady increase, you know, just steadily climbing. Yeah. Um, And I think most of the, I think the biggest growth I would have to guess is in the day trippers. It seems to me, you know, a lot, lot more of those, you know, um, yeah. I think back in the day, half the boat was full of people coming for the week or to stay in their cottage. And the other half was day trippers. And I'd say some boats now, are 80, 90% just, just over here to ride around. And, you know, and, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a very difficult, you know, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, a, a catch 22. Yeah. I know.
1: I know. And, and then what, in what year, when did you run for town council? When did you first get on the town council? Oh, God, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you blocked it out. I blocked it out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my. What, what on re- earth I, were you thinking? Yeah, what were you thinking? <laughs> we asked Andre that, too. <laughs> and, and how many years did you end up serving on the town council? Four. And how was that, your experience on the council?
2: Um, I had a specific I'll say agenda purpose that I ran well, on. Everybody
0: does. Yeah, you're not alone. That's okay.
2: And so most
0: people just don't tell the truth. That's, <laughs> right? that's good. Yeah.
2: I I made it very clear what I was trying to achieve, and I worked hard to achieve that. Uh, I was not reelected after my second term, which was perfect. I was <laughs> I was so hoping I would not. I ran the third time as kind of like a, a chess move to try and keep other people from <laughs> running and that worked but i was i had had it um there was there i don't know how much i can get into this but i'll just say when i was before i ran for the town council i was looking at how town did contracts and how it was doing their relationships and i thought the town was completely violating the state law there were so many complaints from contractors that were not blessed with the town and they were not getting a fair shot so I would make sure that that changed. Um,
0: that. And when you you're not talking about the contractor just building a house, right? Or or are you? Or Are you talking about bigger things going out to bed, like major projects? Mostly bigger things. Okay, yeah.
1: And do you? Uh, I mean, do you look back on your time at the town council? I mean, were there were there uh, achievements that you're proud of? That you you know things that you got to ha- You know, took you were a part of making happen it, it, that.
2: I'll, the uh, two experiences that the one that I I was talking actually to somebody about last night, um, that not too many people know about is that there is a, through the land trust, a memorial forest where a lot of people who come to Block Island, love Block Island, but don't have property. And, um, if they pass away and you want to, uh, plant a tree in their memory, there is a place on Block Island where you can do that. You don't have to own land to do it. You can just, um, go to the land trust and tell them what you'd like to plant and they'll work with you on that. And then you, you can plant a tree and memory of a person,
0: That's cool. your family.
2: Um,
0: and 20 years later, somebody will buy a house behind it and cut it down without asking because <laughs> <laughs> they just don't care.
2: Well, this area is very well selected uh, and, nice. and that's not going to be possible, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, plausible.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Been a, been a few of that going on lately. People hopping the fence, quickly cutting down the neighbor's trees, and then, oh, that didn't... Oh, I don't know. It must have been a big windstorm. Yeah. I heard one guy, his is excuse to the other owner was, oh, I am I thought it was land trust land. Like, does that make it okay? I don't know. Are you allowed <laughs> to just go on... I no. That's a good question. I mean, I don't know anything about it. Are you allowed to go on land trust land and no. cut things down? I didn't think so. No. no. That's a <laughs> it's, it's a matter, hard no. As a matter <laughs> of fact, the
2: land trust got uh, sued the town because the town did that.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: <laughs> Uh, so the second thing, um, I'll, it, it's pretty controversial, but I, um, it had to do with the deer out here and, um, uh, white Buffalo and their sharpshooting, um, sh- uh, program. And I, I was against it for a lot of reasons initially, but then a hunter came up to me, an Island hunter, sat me down and told me more than I knew. And I became very opposed to it uh for a lot more reasons and at the time that this was at the town council the town manager was promoting it um heavily as were f- four of the five town council members the vote initially to allow white buffalo was f- four to one i was
1: and white buffalo is a white buffalo is a company
2: that uh, specializes in deer reduction okay um and they do it through uh, Scopes, uh, jacking, uh, feed feeding stations—all all.
0: they're basically allowed to do all the stuff that's illegal, <laughs> illegal. for right. a regular hunter. Gotcha. You can't bait deer in and put them in a bright light, and when they're looking at you, shoot them between the eyes. i okay. are not allowed to do that. Yeah, they would be allowed to do all of that because of special special circumstances. Special, yeah, because they're special. Because they're special. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Everything they were going to do was against the state regulations. They had no state authority to do this. There was a real um, behind-the-scenes effort to get it so they could do that,
0: and the hunters were in this island were very opposed to that. Um, Huge liability, I would think too. From a I, I that would be my first thing. Would be like, do I want to be the one that's responsible for an accident due to a long shot, high-powered rifle at night? You know, on blockout.
2: Yeah. Well, that, those were a lot of those concerns were were voiced, and eventually, more and more came out about White Buffalo and their tactics and the politics, and it was then turned around to be a four to one vote against White Buffalo. Hmm. And you feel you had a little bit to do with it? Yeah, I just kind of stood my ground, and uh, that's. And I thought that was, really was the best solution. I know the deer are a problem, but there's better ways of handling it. And um, white buffalo is not a good, not not even a consideration in my in my
0: opinion. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's the, uh, you know, I don't I don't want to go way down that road, but you know, I have one thing that I think I've been saying for years, and you know what? Some friends of mine may hate me for this statement, but I don't really care. You know, there's there's a very the archery hunter is sort of the fly fisherman of the hunting world. You know, he's not walking through the woods with a shotgun blasting things. He's it's a very precise, cautious, quiet, gentle way to hunt. And if this Island should consider allowing weekend hunting because that's when people go hunting. You would actually add to the economy of the Island. People could actually rent their house with the ability to hunt on the property where you're renting and nobody's going to, Get shot by you're not going to get hit with a stray arrow. It just doesn't happen when you're archery hunting. But you know, I think there's been some. I think there's been some hunters locally that really don't want. Um, you know, hunt, basically they don't want to enable some hunters from the mainland to come out here and do that. So I think that's a driving. I think that's a driving force behind blocking stuff like that. But mm. that's just my opinion. Yeah.
1: And now, um, what's on your plate these days?
2: Well, um, now I'm doing a lot of consulting engineering and renewable energy systems um, um quality assurance for state programs i inspect solar electric systems um in rhode island i've inspected up to 10 megawatt systems which is uh, a little over twice the size of block island power company i, I go through the codes on that and make sure they're it's code compliant as i possibly can with systems of that size and i, I inspect all the way down to residential systems uh don't yeah. go
0: in my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, own solar electric. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> and solar hot water, uh, uh-huh.
2: <laughs> and we install, design, and install those systems too. And we are have been part of a education program where we trained over twelve thousand people in New York State uh, firefighters to um, building officials to electrical inspectors to land use planners on solar different aspects for their in, in, interest in industry. So that was a very successful program, um, that recently ended, uh, and it's it's still probably the best program out there. If you look at the presentation material for being correct and informative. So that's the kind of stuff I've been doing now and oyster farming.
1: Yeah. Sounds, sounds pretty decent to me. Yeah. It's not bad. I like it. It's a good life. What do you do for kicks when you're, when you're not farming oysters (laughs) and, and, you know, harnessing the sun to create energy? (laughs) Well,
2: I'm still harnessing the sun because I just started um, aeroponics and hydroponics in my greenhouse, so I'm kind of working through that to see uh, how that goes. But I've harvested um, watercress, kale, microgreens, dill, and I got my first tomato flower a couple of days ago. So, Ooh, congratulations! Was, yeah, thank you. <laughs>
1: so, at so you really could. I mean, you're a butcher. You you raise oysters. Uh, you could really kind and now you're a hydroponic farmer so you could have you ever thought about starting maybe a farm-to-table restaurant
2: yes uh not my idea though i've been (laughs) someone's been trying to talk me into that
0: well it's big the the matunic oyster bar is big
1: like yeah you know do you know perry over in matunic yes i do yeah he's he's done quite an incredible job with that restaurant and um He's the guy on the TV with Jack Reed, right? On the raft,
0: Doesn't, yes. didn't he do the commercial with Jack Reed? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. out there, yeah,
1: yeah, um, yeah. That's a, that's a. I mean, I have a, a suggestion for the name. You could just call it Spat. <laughs> <laughs> that's the name of the
2: restaurant. Um, I'm sure the person that has this idea is listening to this, and will we'll, oh, um, <laughs> take it under advisement. <laughs> yes. maybe.
1: Look, I'm just saying. All those trendy, cool restaurants in New York City—they're all yeah. short, one-word, you mm-hmm. know, names. It seems like these days. So I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> okay, all right, we're all ears. Um, God, I, I I feel like there's a billion more questions we could ask. But once again, another hour has gone by in the blink of an eye. Really, truly,
0: wow, that's so, crazy. Um,
1: Chris, we'd love to have you back again at some point. Maybe cover some more ground. You know,
0: would you come on again with us? You guys have been pretty good. Sure. All right. yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, yeah. we didn't get I to didn't talk. I wanted to talk about the power company transferring hands. Is so much. I, know, I have so much. many questions.
1: We'll we'll get to it. All right. We'll, I can't we'll believe get... an hour just went by. It did.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: But before you, we do let you go, there is one thing we like to do with all of our guests called the lightning round. Are you up for it? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So we're just going to ask you uh, some questions. Very simple. Don't think too hard about it. First thing that comes to mind. Yeah. Okay. So first question, meat or fish? Fish. Your
0: side of the road walk or Greenaway Trail? Greenway boxers or tidy whities. boxers give us your best australian g'day mate g'day
1: mate that was actually not bad that was good that was good um one to ten how hot do you like your shower um eight how many redheads are your friends with three spider in the house kill or catch and release catch and release or just leave <laughs> move, sell K-C, the house. Gone. just sell, call them, the realtor. No, no, leave,
2: leave the spider just Oh, like, they get rid of a lot of flies.
1: Yeah, I don't They don't, you know. That's that's a good. Just point. ask them nicely not to use your toothbrush. Wow.
0: <laughs> well, that wraps it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, Christ. thank you so much for joining us. It was yeah, I, a pleasure. I really, literally have another hour of questions because there's a lot there. <laughs> I learned. Once again, so much. I hope our listeners learned too. thank you listeners for listening. i glad you could be with us and I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Chris Warfel. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out with us suggestions, ideas, comments, whatever you'd like. Um, our email is two guys on bi at gmail.com.
1: And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms and uh, please subscribe to our podcast on either Apple or Apple. Uh, podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to us on and if you know someone who might enjoy the podcast please tell them about it because some
0: people don't even know what a podcast is and if they find out they'll really enjoy listening so thanks again
1: Uh, thank you Mark thank you Rich I had a great time me too it was a lot of fun yeah we'll see you next week can't wait bye bye hey Rich yeah I was thinking about going to make some oyster spat souffle what do you think oh you have at it I know the man to talk to to collect the spat. Do you want me to save you some? I,
0: I'm not, I'm trying to envision how you... Would Are you you're milk, not a big How spat. do you milk an oyster? Well, you wouldn't really, never mind. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. All right. What shall we
1: do with drunken sailor? What shall we do with drunken sailor? What shall we do with drunken sailor? We'll I not